Welcome to the Minnesota Gardening Podcast, my friends. It is an honor to have you here with us today. My name is Brad Tabke, and we have the Minnesota Gardening Podcast to help new gardeners and old gardeners as well learn more about gardening and landscape. And today we have another great guest for you. We have Brian Schwingle, who is the Central Region Forest Health Specialist for the Minnesota DNR, and he is going to work with us today and talk about Oakville. So first, I just want to make sure our listeners know that this episode, if you go to minnesotagardening.com and click on podcast, you'll be able to see all the show notes for this episode. So we'll be putting different information in there for folks to be able to find and what Oakwilt is oddly like near and dear to my heart because bur oaks are my favorite, my favorite plant and one of my favorite things. And there is a whole stand of older growth bur oaks in Shakopee that are just falling like flies to, to Oakwilt. And it's just the saddest thing to watch happen as it, uh, quickly creeps through the entire entire grove of oaks. And so I wanted to talk to Brian today about what is going on with oak wilt and why people need to be curious and pay attention to it, as well as what's hopeful for the future. So Brian, uh, why don't you first start with just introducing what you do for the DNR and how, how you're helping keeping our forest safe? People can think of me as kind of like the CDC for Minnesota's forests. I, so I'm a part of a team of five people. And, you know, we're all called, we, there are four forest health specialists for the state, and then we have a coordinator. And we kind of operate like kind of a combination of the CDC, Center for Disease Control, and then like your general practitioner. So we're charged with monitoring forest health conditions across the state every year. And so maybe that that might comprise like 25% of our jobs. We coordinate a big aerial survey to detect large sweeping changes and and to track trends over Minnesota's forests annually. But our bread and butter really is troubleshooting for forest managers. You know, when they can't figure stuff out in the woods, they'll call us and we come in and we investigate what's going on. Can you tell our listeners what Oak Wilt is? is and uh, kind of give a little a little history as to oak wilt in Minnesota. You bet. I can talk I love it. about oak wilt, Brad. Yeah. So oak wilt is a fatal disease of oak species. It is thought to not be native to the United States. Scientists don't know where it originated from. Um but there's, there are several lines of evidence to suggest that it's not native. Number one being that there's no known resistance out there amongst our red oak species. And so it was first discovered in the United States, actually in Wisconsin, which is very, it's very unusual to discover a non-native tree pest in the middle of the country. Usually they're discovered on ports like Emerald ash borer was discovered in Detroit, which is a port. So that was unusual, but it was it was discovered in the 40s, and in Minnesota it was it was also discovered in the in the 40s, in I believe four counties bordering Wisconsin. So right around the Twin Cities and down to Red Wing. And since that time, Oakwilt has slowly crept out from the Twin Cities metro area to the southeast and to the north. And so currently it it extends almost to Moose Lake, 
and over to Little Falls. And actually, unfortunately, we discovered Oakwilt for the first time in Brainerd country in 2021, which is extremely concerning. And then it extends all the way down to the Iowa border. Um, I imagine several of you listeners out there are familiar with Dutch elm disease. You can think of Oakwilt as the Dutch elm disease of oaks. Fortunately, it's not as inefficient of a mover as Dutch elm disease. So Dutch elm disease, it is, it's a fungal, it's a fungal vascular wilt. So, you know, when I say vascular wilt, that refers to basically the plumbing in the tree just under the bark, the tubes that carry up the water and distribute the, the sugars that trees make through photosynthesis all throughout the tree. So these vascular wilts, they, they basically kill those, those vascular tubes, you know, the xylem and the phloem, if you've heard of that, the tubes, and they, they block them up. And both of these diseases, Dutch elm disease and oak wilt, they're carried between from an infected tree longer distances to an uninfected tree by insects. And the insects that carry Dutch elm disease from an infected tree or an infected like wood pile to an uninfected tree, they're bark beetles and they don't need a wound to introduce the disease into a tree. They can bore right in. And that's the major difference between Dutch elm disease and oak wilt because with oak wilt, like over 90% of the insects that transport oak wilt between oaks, they require a fresh wound. So like think a pruning cut or think of a, of a truck that accidentally, you know, rubbed up against a portion of a, of a big old burr oak trunk and rubbed, rubbed that bark off those fresh wounds that expose the sapwood, those are the things, those are the wounds that, you know, they send out these chemical volatiles and they attract these insects that inadvertently drop off oak wilt spores. And that's how disease begins over 90% of the time. Of course, these insects, they transport oak wilt, you know, from an infected tree or an infected wood pile to an, to an uninfected zone and they can fly, I think the, the data says 95% of them will fly up to about a quarter mile from an infected zone. And then they, they, you know, they get this, these, what we call infection centers going. Now, unfortunately, the, the really bad news is that once a single oak is infected, then that disease moves from that oak to neighboring oaks, to their neighbors, to their neighbors, and they, they create these circles of death in, in our landscape. And they, they're able to do that because trees that are the same species, so for example, two bur oaks, they frequently root, they graft their roots. So their, their roots grow together and almost become one, which, which makes like an underground highway unimpeded highway for these disease, these vascular wilts like oak wilt to move from one oak to the other. And so, you know, like 90% of death that occurs from oak wilt actually happens through that underground movement. That's not to say though, that the insect movement above ground, that's extremely important. So does 
Oakwilt move around? Like uh, you said, there's a new infection infestation in uh, Brainerd. And does that move along with like firewood at that point or newly cut logs? Or how, how does that move a long distance to jump like that? Yes, I'm very, I'm glad you brought that up. Yes, it, Oakwilt definitely can, e- it easily moves on firewood. So <laughs> I know, you know, I used to work for Wisconsin DNR and then w- Wisconsin DNR did a, did a, did a campground user survey when I worked for them. Firewood, people are very particular about camp firewood. So yes, and we all know that oak puts out a lot of BTUs when you burn it. And so it's a really nice firewood. And so, yeah, if an oak tree, let's say an oak tree in Rochester, let's say a northern red oak tree dies of oak wilt in August of 2022, there's a very high likelihood that that oak tree that was killed in August of 2022 is going to produce the oak wilt spores in May or June of 2012. Wow. And, and it's going to, and see, see those spores, they attract those insect vectors. They, they actually smell, you, humans can smell them. I think they smell like bananas and they form just under the bark. And actually they form these structures called pressure pads, one on the outside of the sapwood. And then in a mirror of that on the inside of the bark and they press against each other and they pop the bark open and around them, forms this oh it's like a it's like maybe a hundred square inch kind of oval zone of spores and they smell to me they smell like bananas some people think they smell like red wine juicy fruit gum oh yeah remember that one but anyways they attract those those insects and the insects i don't know if they feed on them or what but they inadvertently pick up the spores and then those insects are also attracted to fresh wounds and and so if you, if, if that homeowner in Rochester were to cut that oak down, you know, whenever, September, October, November, December, it really wouldn't matter. And they were like, you know what? I, we need some, we need some, we need to replenish our cabin's firewood supply. And they were to drive that up to Brainerd. Boom. You get oak wilt, you get oak wilt spore production at that cabin in May or June of 2023, and any oak that's wounded from anything, whether it be a, a lawnmower, a truck, somebody nailing something into the trees, someone pruning in May or June, any oak within a quarter mile stands a decent chance of being infected from that wow. firewood pile. How, so that, that yep. homeowner, how would they know if they have oak wilt on a, on that red oak that's uh, that's growing there how would they know that they have oak wilt on that tree or what what are good indications and symptoms of oak wilt so oak wilt to diagnose oak wilt on a on a red oak is i guess you could say it's pretty easy because the distinguishing characteristic is that the tree will it's its crown, its leaves will rapidly change color and it will lose about 90% or more of its leaves within like one to two months of that rapid color change. Is there, I was going to say, is there a specific time of year to watch for that? 
You, well, the, it can happen May through September. So, you know, in May, it's very difficult to 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 diagnose oak wilt in the field. I always recommend people submit a lab sample or a, submit a sample to a lab like the University of Minnesota's Plant Disease Clinic or the University of Wisconsin's Plant Disease Clinic. Um, same goes for September because at those kind of shoulder times of the growing season, you can get other th- other problems with trees or just kind of natural changes in tree canopy. You can get the, those things kind of obscure classic oak wilt symptoms. But from June through August, again, if you're if you're looking at a red oak and it it was healthy in May, 100% healthy, and in in those months it literally dropped over 90% of its leaves and many of those leaves were totally green or partially green there's nothing that does that to to a northern red and then diagnosing oak no oak i just say, and then as when you see that happen is is that just a a single seasons like it was it was let's say in our scenario from before that it was a tree was cut down and oaks surrounding that were infected in the spring of 22 and then that it will fully defoliate the tree the summer of 22 or does it take a few years to get up to that level or how, what's the time frame? The time frame on a northern red oak is is like two months, which which is, again, that crazy is a yeah. distinguishing feature because there are many things. There are many, many diseases and pests that can kill oaks over a number of years, and some of them can kill oaks in a single growing season. The major, the major characteristic of, of oak wilt on red oaks is that they'll show they'll be totally healthy at the beginning of the growing season, and then in a two-month time frame, they will die completely. They'll, they'll lose like 90% of their leaves or more within a month or two months it's a very it's a very so and that tree is done then and it it's just never leafing out it's just two months dead tree correct it's done it's done yep there there are some confusing things that i've um seen over my career where some some red oaks will they'll produce sucker sprouts along their stems. Other names for sucker sprouts are epicormics or water sprouts, you know, little shoots that rapidly grow out of the trunk. I've seen oaks killed by oak wilt, you know, produce a bunch of epicormics up and down their stem, but those epicormic branches or or water sprouts, they'll continuously die over and over again. So it's kind of like these trees are, you know, they're, they're given their last their last effort at living they're putting everything they can into survival but they they just they can't beat off that disease and they die but for you know for most of the listeners out there it's like they would red oak it would be totally healthy in may or june and then in you know july or august it would lose you know 90 percent of its leaves over the course of one to two months their lawns would be covered with leaves and that's and then do those leaves also carry oak wilt with them? Is that a source of spores or is it just the wood? Fortunately, the leaves do not harbor the disease. It's only the wood. And like 
I was I was on a Oakwood conference earlier this this week, and the question came up: Well, do what about the acorns? Do the acorns transport the disease? And it's it's not to our knowledge. It's just that the wood that is fatal, and and not on interestingly. So I, you know, the way I've been describing this disease, that's just been on red oaks. So we have three species of red oaks in Minnesota: black oak, northern red oak, and northern pin oak. All of these oaks. We, re, we generally refer to them as red oaks, and the major characteristic that they have is that they have sharply pointed ends to their leaves. So we call those like lobes to leaves, you know, the parts that stick out yep, like pencils everywhere. They're sharp. They come to a very sharp point on our red oak species, whereas with our white oak group, so those are bur oaks, white oaks, and swamp white oaks, those have rounded lobes. And, yeah, so, you know, I talked about red, like the symptoms and the disease on red oak and how it's, if you're paying attention, which is actually easier said than done, it's a, it's a very drastic, you know, hit you in your face type of disease. That's not All the right. case with white oaks. With white oak. The disease is much, much more complicated to diagnose. So, like, for example, with bur oak, I've seen bur oaks get oak wilt, and I've seen them die in a single growing season almost as severely and as quickly as, as it happens on red oaks. I've also seen big old kind of decline over the course of a few years from oak wilt. So we, we generally say that, like, red oaks are highly susceptible to oak, to oak wilt, bur oaks are kind of moderately susceptible, and our white oak species, Quercus alba, that's um, not as susceptible to oak wilt. Now, I don't like that terminology because it makes people think, oh, well, I have a white oak. That means it's it's not very much at risk of oak wilt, and that's not true. Oak wilt, once oak wilt infects any of our red oak species or any of our bur oak species, it's, those trees are going to die. I have seen white oaks get oak wilt and not die and actually recover from the disease. And that's been observed by other people over the years, too, in Minnesota. It's kind of widely known that our our white oak in the eastern part of this country is is somewhat not as susceptible. But with bur oak, like I, I know at the beginning of this show, you talked about your love for bur oak. I love it too. It's my favorite tree. I've seen I've seen oak wilt kind of create these disease centers in pure forests of bur oak. Got it. And so how is this different? We had back in I think it was episode seven, we had an episode with a master gardener who taught us all about bur oak blight. And how so how is oak wilt different from bur oak blight and other funguses that we might see on oak trees? Baroque blight is is a leaf disease. It only infects the leaves, and it's not very severe. It's gotten a lot of press in in the upper Midwest over the last several years, but it's nothing like like oak wilt. I've never seen baroque blight. In my opinion, I've never I've never seen baroque blight kill a tree. We have we have my predecessor. 
he photographed the same Baroque in southern Minnesota, and it got Baroque blight. I think he photographed it for like 17 years in a row, and every year it lost like 90% of its canopy in September, but it leafed out just fine. Wow, that's fun. Year. Whereas now, if that, if that if that Baroque would have gotten oak wilt, it would have died within seven Got it. Years. So we've talked about what yeah. oak wilt is and what are the number one, I guess, what is the number one action step that homeowners can take to prevent their trees from getting oak wilt? Basically, do not touch your oak from April through July. If you're able to... Um, you know, minimize any wounding of that tree, that's going to go a long, long ways at preventing oak wilt. Of course, you know, there's mother nature and there's wind storms. And so, you know, wind storms can easily, you know, break a branch in May or June and that wound could be infected by oak wilt. But the, the major thing that, number one thing that I would ask everyone to do is just don't don't prune your oaks from April through July. It seems like such such a simple request, but I am and I understand this too because I feel this way when you know the weather when you finally get like your first amazing kind of almost summer like day in April or May where you could go outside without a heavy coat and just feel really comfortable. Like everyone <laughs> in my neighborhood, anyways, and wherever I've been, that's when you feel like right? cleaning up your yard and doing stuff outside, you know, and, and I think, you know, that's when people oftentimes they want to get out there and they want to prune their own. They don't want to prune in, in December or January exactly. or February when, you know, if there's like three feet of snow on the ground, but that is the time. So are you, grows. do you guys also recommend, Particularly, you know, February. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Brian. Well, I was just going to say, so do you also recommend during that time frame not to do like planting of new trees or other things like that, because you inevitably break some branches and do some things like that when you have a new tree uh, going in the ground, or is it mostly just don't touch them pruning? And that also brings up another, qu another question you can answer at the same time of, is there any difference between the ages of the trees as to being more susceptible or less susceptible to oak wilt? Yeah, well, to hit to hit on your first question, it's really all about just avoid wounding. A great time to plant trees, of course, is as soon as the frost is out of the soil. Like, that is a prime time to plant trees. And that's an interesting question you have. I've never thought about that, actually. Like, if people are planting in, like, a big old, like, you know, ball and burlap, you know, 10-foot tall oak, <clears throat> I've never really thought about how it could possibly get oak wilt just from being transported and wounding branches and stuff like that. I suppose it could happen, but still like it, it would be much better, better to plant a tree in April as soon as the frost leaves the ground than say like in June or July where it's, where it's just the, the stress from just the moisture loss is going to be so much higher because of the temperatures. Perfect. So with that as well as, and Brad, I'm very <laughs> sorry. That was a classic podcast interviewer massive fail right there. So I'm, I'm sorry about that. The yeah. the second one was uh, about: is there any difference between the age of the tree as to if it's more or less susceptible to oak wilt? Oh, that's a that's a good question. We aren't aware 
that there's any sort of difference in disease susceptibility from young to older oaks. But I would say, and this is just my kind of best guess, almost kind of like a, you know, I'm like a, a layman meteorologist here, but it, I'm guessing that the older and larger an oak is, the more likely it is to be wounded naturally by whatever, you know, by squirrels feeding on it just because there's more surface area or wind damage. And so I would guess that, you know, as a tree, as an oak grows bigger and bigger, the likelihood that's going to be wounded in the spring increases and therefore the, the risk of natural overland infection of oak wilt increases. I rarely, rarely see young oaks, say, you know, smaller than, shorter than 10 feet, get infected from oak wilt. Unless they're pruned, then they'll definitely get oak wilt if they're in oak wilt country, or if they're growing very close to a tree that got oak wilt. I've seen smaller trees get infected too. I mean, I've seen, I don't know if your list, listeners know this, but but like when you cut a an oak, a red oak in Minnesota, it what happens frequently is that you get these water sprouts, or I call them stump sprouts, growing from that cut stump some frequently you'll see like you know 20 sucker sprouts and that's just you know just because you cut down a tree doesn't mean you're killing the tree technically that root system is alive and there are all these dormant buds uh, at the on the root collar so you know where the stump meets the roots and those can kind of wake up and they'll start growing a new top and I've seen those little shoots like that are less than an inch in diameter get oak wilt from underground movement frequently. I, I right. see that. And with that as well, Brian, we're running up against the end of our time here today. So we've talked a lot about what oak wilt is and how it gets transported and making sure that people don't prune oak trees of any sort between April and July each year to reduce their susceptibility to oak wilt. Where is the hope in in where oak wilt is going? Is there great research that's being done on it? Is there are we finding trees, especially in the red oak side, that are resistant to it? Where where are things going? I I call oak wilt. It's the invasive that everyone has forgotten. I feel like oak wilt, of all the invasive species that kill trees in Minnesota, it is the invasive species that I wish we could pour money into in terms of, of controlling its spread. It's very unique in that it actually, as an invasive species, it moves so slowly. So, I mean, you know, it's been in Wisconsin and Minnesota since the 40s. It, likely it's it's been there for, for a few decades before that, but it still hasn't encroached upon our northern forests. And in fact, in Minnesota, it's, you know, we just, we do not know of any oak wilt occurrences north of Pine County or north of now the Brainerd zone. And so there's still like, we, if you take a look at the range of oak in Minnesota, oak wilt still has not covered 50% of its range, yet it's been here for sure since the 40s. When you, when you contrast that to like Dutch elm disease, 
I, I don't know exactly when Dutch elm disease was first discovered in Minnesota. I think the 60s or the 70s. But it had covered the entire range of elm in Minnesota within a few decades. And, you know, you take, like, there's another story out east. It's called chestnut blight. That was a horrendously devastating disease of American chestnut. It covered the entire range of American chestnut within a few decades. The same goes for butternut canker. Butternut is, it's also known as white walnut. It's a native tree to Minnesota, wonderful tree. It's, it's on our state endangered species list because of a non-native disease that quickly hmm. covered its entire range. And so Oakwood's really unique in that it's slow spreader and we know how to control it with multiple, in multiple different ways, which again, can't be said for many tree diseases or even for, for in, well, I shouldn't say tree disease, but I, I'll put it this way forest diseases or forest pests when we're trying to control things on like a a grand scale frequently it's like geez i mean there's there's not a lot of the usually the goal is to like drastically slow its spread take emerald ash borer for example the goal is to drastically slow its spread using quarantines but like with oak wilt I mean, even if you're, if you live in, let's say, Wabasha, if you get oak wilt's been there for decades, but if you get oak wilt in your woodlot or in your yard, there are ways to control it, which is, which is really cool. So that's promising. The other promising thing, and this is, you know, now I'm, I work for the Minnesota DNR for the state government. So my, my perspective is kind of larger scale. I'm looking at, I'm, I want to protect the state's forests. And so we, I don't know, almost a decade ago now, we started thinking about oak wilt, like kind of like a fire and, and how this fire has slowly been spreading out from the twin cities and red wings since the forties. And the, the deal is like, how do you control a fire? You spray its edges. You don't like pour a bucket of water into a giant wildfire, like you don't pour it in the middle of it, you, t- you attack the edges. So right now we have actually the Morrison County Soil and Water Conservation District. They got a big Oakville control grant from the state legislature to, to provide funding to area residents for full Oakville control if they get Oakville. And so the, the whole goal there is to basically stop oak wilt spread in central Minnesota and prevent it from encroaching into our northern. And we also we also have some cost share available, you know, funding available available for affected woodland owners in Pine County too to try and stop it spread. In St. Cri- in our St. Croix State Park, we've been we battle oak wilt every year with a grant that we get from the federal government. So that's the strategy. It's to it's to slow its spread, to stop its spread northward. And and the forest health problems that I've ever been aware of, we we actually stand a chance. But I think the key is for everybody to keep their eye on the ball. So, Brad, I super appreciate you having interest in Oakwilt. I I think this is the more people we can let know about Oakwilt, the better. I. You know, every year I, I spend considerable amount of time detecting oak wilt with, with satellites. We're, we're, we partner with all kinds of researchers who are trying to detect 
forest health problems with satellites. We we do these aerial surveys in airplanes. So every year I'm up in an airplane looking really hard down at the forest to try and detect oak wilt at, an, at as early a stage as possible. And and sometimes we have success with those tools, but almost like 90% or more of the early detections of oak wilt that we get are from homeowners who just who think, oh, maybe the DNR wants to know about this. Maybe maybe they'll do they'll help me. And so the more people that know that we're looking for oak wilt, you know, north of like Little Falls in Morrison County and north of Hinkley. And Brian, you talked earlier, and I didn't want to interrupt you there. You talked earlier about the battle of like St. Croix State Park and keeping the edges of the fire contained. What does that look like? Is that just simply, is it tree removal like we do with Emerald Ash Borer? Is it some sort of antifungal? What, like what, what does that battle look like? That battle can can look like all different kinds of things. We, the Minnesota DNR, a few years ago put out an oak wilt management guide. And so if people really want to know, they, they should like... Yeah, and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes as well for this episode. Yeah, that that's great. Anyways, we have this Minnesota DNR oak wilt guide and that goes over in great detail on all the different ways on how to control oak wilt. So it really was written for forest managers. But in, for example, so like in St. Croix State Park, we use a tool called a vibratory plow that it has a, it has a, a five foot long vertically oriented, like big knife on the back of like a cat, like a bobcat. And it vibrates up and down and it goes through goes around an oak wilt disease center and separates the roots from the trees that are infected and the healthy oaks out to the outside. And we always want to put a, a buffer of he- healthy looking trees around the, the dead and dying trees because those actually those healthy looking trees, there's a very good chance that some of them have oak wilt already in their root system. Oh, trees don't show symptoms of the disease until the disease creeps up into their trunk. And so that, that makes it difficult to, to, to know exactly how to control. But that's what that looks like. So we basically separate. Got it. And there, you know, in, in forests, sometimes we can use excavators to pop out stumps or, or bulldozers to push out stumps. Now those are really dis- kind of destructive ways. But the thing is, if, if you let oak wilt go, it becomes even more destructive. And what happens oftentimes is it, you know, oak wilt slowly creates this hole in the forest and what grows in that hole? Buckthorn, frequently buckthorn and red maple and box elder. And most people don't want that. Most people want a beautiful oak forest, but in people's yards, you know, say around the Twin Cities area or Rochester or or a- anywhere really, you can you can prevent oak wilt with by injecting a healthy tree with a fungicide. And so that's probably a whole <laughs> that's a whole podcast right there. And I don't know a tremendous amount about that, but certainly there are hundreds of arborists in Minnesota who can help homeowners with that. And so that's a preventative. Got it. Fungicide. That's good to know. So awesome. We are 
way over time, which I love because it's a really important, uh, it's a really important topic to talk about and you're great to talk with about it. But Brian, is there anything about Oakwilt that I haven't asked you about that you want to make sure that people know? Oh, Brad, I'm sorry I talked so long. I think we Perfect. know all of it. I mean, there's, you know, you in a in a 30 minute podcast or whatever, it's you you can only cover so much. There's a lot to know about Oakwilt, and there are there are a couple great websites that I I would prefer. Like for for people who want to know about Oakwilt, I would greatly prefer that they go to Minnesota DNR's Oakwilt web pages or the University of Minnesota's Oakwilt web pages. Um, they're, they're, they have a lot there for people. to Yeah. And they're really, really great resources for folks. And I'll, like I said, I'll link to those in the show notes for this episode. So if people just go to minnesotagardening.com and then search for episode 17 or Oakwilt, it'll all come up on there. So Brian Schwingle from Minnesota DNR, thank you so, so much for all of your incredible knowledge and talking with folks about Oakwilt and teaching what you know. And the main thing that we want to make sure that folks remember is do not prune your oaks from between April and July each year. That will help us significantly in the reduction in the spread of Oakwilt. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks for being here, Brian. I appreciate you. See what I mean? Brian was just awesome in talking and sharing about Oak Wilt and just has so much knowledge as to what's going on and what we can do as homeowners and land managers to help control Oak Wilt and what to look for and see with that. So with that, you can make sure to remember to go to the show notes at minnesotagardening.com. You can click and download anything that's there. If you search for Oak Wilt or episode 17, you will find all the information there. And then next week for episode 18, we have an incredibly awesome, awesome woman leader. She's just incredible and a great friend of mine, Heidi Highland from Heidi's Grow House and uh, Heidi's Lakeshore Gardens is here to talk about trends and focus in the 2022 landscape season. So we'll see you again next week. And if you could please make sure to subscribe to the podcast, would love to have you at subscribing and, and sharing this with friends. We hope that everybody is learning a lot here with we're 17 episodes in. You got a good feel as to what the podcast is and would love for you to uh, subscribe. Make sure that you're getting this each week when it comes out, as well as share it with your friends and give us a rating so that uh, other folks know what the podcast is and know what you know. So we've got some pretty big changes coming up here in the next few weeks for the Minnesota Gardening Podcast that I think that you really, really like. So just hold on and make sure to be subscribed so you find out as soon as everyone else. Have a great day.